0: I don't know how many of you have ever been responsible for preaching, ever or leading a Bible study, um, but unless there's a curriculum that you have to follow, in other words, you open up the book and you know you're at the next page and this is the one we're going to do this week. If you're the one that has to crack that or think about the schedule or come up with the next one, it's hard. It's very hard. And i all week long worked and prepared and prayed and read and meditated and even until this morning, nothing was coming. And I got at five and I was like, Jesus, I have six hours. I'm not too afraid. <laughs> I'm not to trust you, but I have six hours, God, and literally, God, I need you to give me the topic and the, the outline for my sermon. I've been trying all week. Please, God. And you know what kept coming to my mind? A stupid song that I saw on a video on YouTube two weeks ago. And it wouldn't stop coming to my brain. I literally woke up every morning this week never do this. I woke up every morning this week singing that song. God, this is not helping me. I need you to give me my sermon. I have this, Bob. No, God, this is a secular story. This has nothing to do with the Bible. I have given you what I want you to show the people, Bob. Okay. Okay. And as soon as I said, okay, he downloaded the entire sermon of my mind. And I had to download software in order to capture the video off of YouTube, in order to translate it into a way to get it here. And also I did it on my computer at my home, and I sent it through the, world, the wonderful world of technology to that computer so that you would show you the video in just a second. That never happened. That never happens. You have to understand. I've been here 18 years. <laughs> Technology doesn't isn't friendly to us on a Sunday morning, <laughs> ever. But it happened because God had a specific thing He wanted you to see here. Now I need to give you a little bit of background so you'll understand what you're looking at. Okay? There's a a a, a Christian school. Um, I want to say that it's probably preschool all the way through through senior high in, in Florida. It's called the King's Academy. And this is a, apparently a school that doesn't have a whole pro- lot of problems with money because they, they put out these fabulous, fabulous, um, well-crafted di- well uh, musical productions for their school, for their drama program. And I have found that I really enjoy watching those because they're just well done. Well, there's this one musical that came out a number of years ago. It's called Newsies. Have you ever seen the movie or heard of it? Okay. there is it. This whole, The whole thing about Newsies is it's based on a true story. Back in 1899, there was a, a strike that was done by the boys in New York City who were striking against the publishers because they were raising the price of the paper to the boys, not raising the price of the paper. So the boys were losing money. And the boys were the ones that were hawking the newspapers out in the streets. So the boys were like, this isn't right. You're charging us more, but we're not going to make it. We're losing money. This is how we support our family. And they fought against the machine. They fought against the man. And this is a really powerful story. You don't need to know that this morning. Just know that you can look it up. you can look it up later. Um, but there's this one scene in the show that's on the stage production, but not in the movie, okay? And what it is, there's this character, he is one of the lead characters, his name is Crutchy. He is a boy who has had polio. His leg is messed up, he has to use a crutch. Now, being a Newsy on the streets of New York is not a problem having a crutch, because you can use that to your advantage to get people to be sympathetic with you and give you more money. But the reality is, this is a streetwise kid who has learned to live on the streets, and he has nobody but himself to take care of him. Well, in this whole storyline, he gets absconded by the, 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 the refuge, which is a, an orphanage slash shelter for kids. The problem is, the owner of the shelter is only interested in getting money. He doesn't care about the kids, and so he doesn't feed them. He doesn't clothe them. He just takes the money from the city to make sure that he's, he's doing his own stuff. And so you'll see him at the end of this video yelling at the kid. But this kid, Crutchy, has been brought into the refuge. He is lonely. He is miserable. He is missing his friends. And he's writing a note, a letter, to his best friend, Jack. ahead and play. Dear Jack, greetings from the refuge. How are you? I'm okay. Guess I wasn't much help yesterday. Snyder soaked me real good with my crutch. Oh, yeah, Jack. This is crutchy, by the way. These here guards, they is rude. (laughs) They say, jump, boy, you jump, or you're screwed. But the food ain't so badly so far. Because so far, they ain't brung us no food. Ha, ha. <laughs> I miss the rooftop. Sleep it right out in the open In your penthouse in the sky There's a cool breeze blowing even in July Anyway... Oh, so guess what? There's this secret escape plan I got. Tie a sheet to the bed, toss the end out the window, climb down, then take off like a shy. Maybe go, not tonight. I ain't slept, and my legs still ain't right. Hey, Bud Pulitzer, he's going down. And then Jack, I was thinking we might just go like you were saying. Where it's clean and green and pretty, with no bills. you're riding Palomino's every day once that train makes I hate this place I'll be fine Good is new But there's one thing I need ya to do On the rooftop You said That a family Looks out for each other So you Tell all the fellas From me To protect one another The end, your friend, your best friend, your brother Karachi. You in there! Pipe down! take care of himself living in abject poverty has absolutely no hope the only thing he can do is depend on his friends to carry him to the temple on a daily basis so he can sit there and beg and hope that maybe enough money comes in that day to buy him a loaf of bread that's that's his life and then god intersects with the truth of the gospel. Peter and John, as is their normal practice, go to the temple at the hour of prayer to o'clock in the afternoon. Now, the thing about it, if you, if you think about this, this man was brought to the temple every day. Peter and John had to have seen him every day for some reason the prompting of the Holy Spirit God had Peter stop and take notice and I think it is very poignant as we read that story you heard me say to the kids Peter stopped and looked at him and said to him look at me there was a visceral connection between the two of them. It was like between the three because it said John also was there and John wanted to be part of this as well. And Peter's words were, silver or gold, I have none. But what I do have, I give you. Now, when Jesus was doing healing on the earth, many, many, many times Jesus would say, your faith has brought about your healing. Many times Jesus would say, because you touched the hem of my garment, because, blah, 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 you are ready. Do you want to be healed? What do you want from me? In all of those scenarios, Jesus interacted with the person and said, what do you want? Not, in this case, Peter did not say to this man, what do you want? Because what the man would have said is money, to, to buy bread. But Peter saw the need and was prompted by the Holy Spirit. He said, look man, I don't have any money. I don't have anything. I'm, obviously, I'm, I'm just as poor as you are, literally. I've been without a job for the last three years and the man who took care of me just died. And so I'm stuck just like you are. We have to trust God on a daily basis for our own bread. But I do have something. Let me give it to you. And he didn't ask permission. He reached out and he said, In the name of Jesus, rise. And instantly, God brought healing to this man. In such a way... I mean, you've seen Hollywood movies where guys get up to the stumbling and like, Oh, look, I've got over my bowling. Oh, look, I've got but I fall down. No, this guy got up and he was jumping and leaping and praising God. And it continues. If you read the rest of the story, because it goes on all the way into chapter 4. It's Acts chapter 3 all the way through into the middle of chapter 4, maybe also the end of chapter 4. The... L- religious leaders are really upset. Because this is going against everything that we tried to do. We've got rid of that guy. You do not right need this thing being preached again. And so they literally have Peter and John and the guy that got healed arrested by the temple guards and put into prison overnight. While the Sanhedrin decided what they were going to do, the leaders trying to figure out what they're going to do to these people. And overnight, Peter and John and this guy are in prison. Now we're not told exactly anything about that. But what we do know is that the next morning, when they call them back, that the, it says in, very clearly says in chapter 4, the man who was healed was standing next to Peter and John as they were being confronted by the Pharisees, by the leaders. So that man, how would have been arrested and kept overnight? And then, they realize, there's a whole lot we can do here. Because it's been almost 24 hours, this man is still walking around. This is a bottom fide miracle. We can't, but we're going to tell him, shut up, stop talking about this Jesus. Stop talking about this Jesus. And what does Peter say? you will make all the mandates you want. But all I'm telling you is I have to speak what I know to be true. I am going to follow God. I am going to do what God tells me to do. We don't have to like it. And he says, what is it? Well, let's, let's just look at it. Chapter 4 of Acts. He is much more eloquent than I am. Actually, there's two who Verse 7. Well, let's go to verse 5. On the next day, their rulers, elders, and scribes gathered together, in Jerusalem, and Anastasia, priest, Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander. And all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, By what power or what name did you do this? And then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to the Rulers of the people and elders, If we're being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed? Well, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him... This man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Can you imagine? This illiterate, uneducated man who didn't even get to go to Hebrew school because he wasn't good enough and became a fisherman instead. He is now standing before the leaders of the nation, and he is He's literally lecturing them on theology. Hey, check it out. (laughs) And they said, verse 13, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a sign has been performed, though, through them is evident to all that happens in Jerusalem. We can't deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them that I speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them back and in charge them not to speak, to teach it all in the name of Jesus. But so Peter and John answered them Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard and they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them. For, because the people, all the people were praising God for what had happened. Right. For the man on whom this sight of healing was performed was more than 40 years. Mm-hmm. Now, one other thing that I did not coordinate with, oh my word, God had Elsie choose, 1 John chapter 3, As the reading for this morning. First John chapter three, verses sixteen through eighteen By this we know love. That he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. And if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth and this statement right here written by the man who was standing there with Peter while they were saying we're going to be following God John wrote let us not love with our hurts or with justice let us love in deed and in truth two things, in deed and in truth and I want to look on truth first and then we'll talk about the deed second truth first Peter did not hesitate to give the expression called spade a spade. You killed the light of the world. You did. Now, if you read in Acts chapter 4, when he's talking to the people, he says, Now, your leaders did it and you just followed in ignorance. But he was still letting them know the truth that they killed the Messiah. He didn't pull any punches. He spoke the words. And do you know what the end result was? The church on the day of Pentecost had grown from 150 to 3,000. Now, just a few days later, after this scenario, the church grows by another 2,000 people. And I would venture that the man who had been born later. So the church has grown because Peter is not afraid to speak the truth. Hear that, church. If you have the opportunity to speak the truth of the gospel to someone in your community, and you shirk your responsibility to speak the truth, they may go into eternal darkness because of your faithlessness. And the kingdom of God may not advance in the way that God intended because of your fear and your failure. So, I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. That's between you and God. But the reality is, if you're sitting here this morning on a Sunday morning, it's because you believe something. And if you believe it, that means you think it's true. And if you believe it to be true, then you should be willing to share the truth with anybody. Because the truth that we have is that the only hope that we have. It is through Jesus Christ. Amen. It is through the blood of Christ that we are saved. It is only through the blood of Christ. John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus said, I am the way the truth and the life. One of the verse songs from this morning. I am the way the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Uh This is the truth of the gospel. And if you believe it, you should be willing to speak it. Because there are people in the coffee shop, in the laundromat, in the post office... Who don't know that truth and who are literally on their way to darkness and eternal separation from God. So, just as Peter was willing to speak truth, so you should be willing to speak truth. But there's one other thing that's in this story that's not spoken. It's something we have to infer as we look at this story and think about it. What happened to the lame guy? We don't know his name. We never hear about him again in the scriptures. All we know is that Peter and John, God, through them, took away this man's only means of supporting himself. He didn't have a trade. He had no marketable skills. He didn't have, probably didn't have a wife or kids. Maybe he lived with his family? I don't know. But literally, John and Peter, silver or gold have I none, but what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. Woohoo! Bye. I was in Mass- I was in that California the early part of my military career. I attended a church, I won't name the denomination not important. But our pastor on Sunday morning would always, it was in a city, it was in Monterey, California, and during the Sunday school hour, our pastor would always go for a walk while the Sunday school classes were going on, and he would walk down to a small coffee shop, there was a little cafe, a couple blocks away from the church, and he would sit and have a cup of coffee in a pastry, or a cup of coffee and a piece of toast, or something, and just think through what he was going to say during his sermon that morning. And this particular Sunday morning, he was there in the coffee shop. Sunday school's going on, and there's a guy sitting at the counter next to another guy. And the guy at the counter is engaged the other guy in conversation. And the pastor's ears for up because he hears this first guy witnessing the truth of the gospel to the second guy. And he's like, this is cool. I don't hear how this goes. And he starts praying for the situation. Lord, help him to hear the truth. Help the light to shine. Help him to know. What's being spoke to him is true. Give him life. Help him, God. Now he's not engaged. He's not part of that. He's sitting over his booth. And finally, the man making the presentation turns to the guy who's listening and he says, Would you like to make a decision to ask Jesus into your life today? Would you like to confess your sins and to repent? Yes, I do. And so the man right there on the bar stool at the, at the cafe leads him to Christ, leads him in a prayer of salvation. And in his exuberance and his excitement, the man stands up and shakes the guy's hand and he says, that's the fourth one this week! And walks out. And the man, sitting at the counter, recognizes that he's nothing more than a notch in this guy's gun. Thank God, my pastor, because he was able to come up and capture the one who adjust just in heart. And love on him. Amen. And help him. He brought him to the church. And he became part of our fellowship. But you see, it's not just a matter of telling them the truth. Amen. It's not just a matter of getting another one saved. Because right. you've got to love on them in word and in deed and truth. Amen. You can't. in the Bible, this 40-year-old lame guy who had no marketable skills, gets saved that day. He gets healed. He, comes, he becomes a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. How does he do? And Peter and John say to him, if you're willing, you can come with us. Let's look at John chapter 4 again and see what's going on in Acts chapter 4. Okay? Look at verse 23. When they, John and James, me, John and Peter, can't get these names straight. When they were released, now I say John and Peter, but it was also the guy that was lame. Okay. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported. But the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who is through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people fought in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord, against his own We're truly in this city, there were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. It's this long blah, 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 blah. Let's skip on. Um... Verse 29, and now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak the word of all boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, including the guy that had been born lame, and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Now, the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great was upon them all. And there was not a needy person among them, not even the plot that down him. For as many as, had, as were owners of lands or houses, they sold them and they brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to each, as any had need. There is more to the Kingdom of God than simply speaking the Gospel. You need to love all parts of that human being's life. You need to meet their physical needs, their social needs, their psychological needs, their medical needs, their financial needs, all of it, before you're going to be able to disciple them to be a follower. That doesn't mean they they can't recognize the truth and respond to it, but it takes relationship to disciple. It's like what was said by by Roy this morning when he was talking about the, um, the men's ministry. I think it was, or maybe it was Evelyn when she was doing the announcements. Either one. One of the two said something, and I went, "God, you're so cool." <laughs> um, it's relationship. It's relationship. Without relationship, we never know who's happy or sad or broken or they've got their mask on. Third, I think that was And the reality is, folks, as a body of believers. We have a responsibility not only to each other to make sure we're taking care of each other and loving on each other and making sure everybody's okay, but we have to go out there and do the same thing. Because, again, if you don't have a relationship with anybody, all you are is the guy at the counter putting another notch on your gun barrel. Right. It's when you are actually loving them, bringing truth to them, but welcoming them into your life that that's when the kingdom of God can truly expand and grow. God has spoken a word over this congregation. He is going to bring this congregation to be 150 fully devoted followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the way it's going to happen is not through miraculous poofing of God just bringing somebody to the church all of a sudden. It's through you. Speaking truth in love. Doing deeds of love continuing relationship, and God bringing about powerful healing, whether it's physical, emotional, psychological, physical, whatever. And every single one of you have different gifts, and every single one of you have different experiences and backgrounds. Every single one of you have the ability to reach a different person, and you're the only one probably who would be able to reach that person, and you've got to be faithful, number one, to keep your eyes open for when the God brings them into your presence. And number two, to speak truth. And number three, to take care of them once God brings them into your life. I've got people in my life that I have to continually go back and touch and and follow up with. They're not Christians yet. But unless I continue to to cultivate that relationship, I'm not going to be given the opportunity to lead them in prayer. And I'm saying the same thing to you. Pray about this. Ask God, who is it? You want me to be responsible. to bring them into the kingdom. Amen. And then, when the fear starts welling up because the enemy starts whispering stuff to you, you simply say, When I'm afraid, I will trust the Lord. Psalm 56, verse 3. Memorize it. When I'm afraid, I'll trust the Lord. Philippians chapter 4. Be anxious for nothing. Give everything to prayer, petition, like by the thanksgiving. Make the request known the Lord. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Memorize it. So when the enemy of your soul tries to whisper dark things to you, you say, ah, no no fear, no anxiety. I'm going to walk the path God has before me. That's right. God, thank you, thank you, thank you for that song that would leave my brain this week. But I just ask God that you bless, bless, bless us as we continue to walk the path you have and Lord, in the same way that Peter and John lived out their faith, help us to do the same, Father. Wouldn't it be cool, God, if you actually brought physical healing to somebody because we were used to you for good? Lord, I give thanks and grace in Jesus' Amen.